Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. So what do we know about The Good Place? I only know as much as I ever need to know to want to watch a show, which is that Kristen Bell and Mark Evan Jackson are on it. What more could you possibly need? I have almost the same thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's that Kristen Bell and Ted Danson are in it. I mean, I'm also interested to see. I haven't seen Ted Danson on anything in a very long time. So I'm sort of curious to see yeah. what he's like now. Um, I'm really loving his whole. Uh, it's it's beyond Silver Fox. It's pure, pure, pure white. His hair now. Oh, it's like yeah. he's moved into like mad scientist territory almost. Yeah. With that hair. Um, there, there's just been such a Ted Donaissance lately. Like. <laughs> waiting to use that word, i have been you? i have been because he was my favorite thing in season two of fargo he was just incredible in that mm. the the only other thing i know about the show really is that it the the basic premise is it's an asshole gets into heaven on a clerical error that's like the show's elevator pitch that's about what i had heard also but maybe slightly more specific i did understand that the good place was a reference to heaven or something and the bad place is what they call hell or something like that. Yeah. And I know that uh, there is an... Someone sent me a clip uh-huh. to try to sell me on the show. I was already interested in seeing the show. Uh, but while I was in the studio last year, actually, uh, our friend Molly Lewis sent me a clip of Mark Evan Jackson saying a particular line, I'm not going to deliver in case you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, Sarah, seriously, why are you not watching the show already? And I went, I don't know. I get the vibe that the comedy uh-huh. is going to be super up my alley yeah. and very over-the-top surreal. Maybe a little bit of a similar vibe to Community? This was also recommended to me about a year ago by my little sister, who said that it's very similar in vibe to a lot of Christopher Moore's novels. Mm. Things like Lamb, uh, Practical Demon Keeping, and also very similar in vibe to Neil Gaiman's Good Omens. Like, it's just kind of like a, a funky... Irreverent take. Yeah. So all of those kind of things, I'm like, yeah, this sounds great. I have one last little detail that I know about this show. I recently heard a podcast interview with Kristen Bell, who was promoting, I think, season four of the show. And they didn't really talk about the show much, except that Kristen said that the, the head writer, show creator, created the role that she plays in the show with her specifically in mind. Awesome. And he started writing it at his regular coffee shop where he writes on a day where he he got his change back from the barista and he waited for the barista to turn around before he put his change into the tip jar for the barista. And in that moment, he had this sort of flash of insight of why is it important to me that the barista sees me doing this good thing? Why is that an important like aspect of this moment Mm -hmm. hearing Kristen Bell tell that story combined with her saying that the show was written for her just really sold me on wanting to see this show because that's a really interesting jumping off point for a writer to want to explore yeah like it just sounds like a good it sounds like a good place it does let's go check it out and Kristen Bell's really hot (laughs) (sighs) on that note as well as Mark Evan Jackson Let's be clear. Very hot. People are on the show and what else? I, I also want to be clear. I was being a little bit uh, flippant with my first comment. 
everything I've heard about the show, about the tone, about the theme and everything, about everyone on it, it all sounds great and I'm super on board. However, if I had heard none of that and all I had heard was there's a new show, Kristen Bell is the main character and Mark Evan Jackson is recurring, I would have been like, yes, please give it unto me. Let's go watch The Good Place. Excellent. So we just watched The Good Place, and we're going to start this off with our patented one-sentence synopsis, which for the very first time was said almost word for word in the what we know, which is an asshole gets into heaven on a clerical error. And hilarity ensues. Yep, pretty much. Nailed it. Yeah. Sorry that that wasn't more hilarious for people who've already seen it. There was a lot more to it than we knew, but uh, we'll get into that in a moment. In fact, we'll get into it right now because it's time for us to move on to our recap. (laughs) So for this episode, it was a 22-minuter, mm-hmm. which we don't get to do on the show very often. It's very, it very freeing. It was a breezy 22 minutes. We're going to do a little quicker recap than we often do. Less of a, uh, of a point-by-point uh, discussion of every aspect of the show. But we want to go through at least a little bit of the plot. Yes. A, a lot of the things that I want to talk about with the show have to do with sort of the overarching feelings about it and sort of there was a lot more world building in this episode than specific plot than actual plot yeah Yeah. very true so the show starts with our i almost said hero our lead character eleanor played by the effervescent and effortlessly beautiful Kristen bell she's sitting in like a pleasant office setting Which is only strange because on the opposite wall from her is like a giant mural with the words like, hello, everything is fine or something like that. Anyway, she's invited into the office of Michael, played by Ted Danson, in Mm -hmm. his like silver mad scientist fox stage. Uh, He explains to her that she is dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a funny bit about how she died. And he basically explains uh, that there are two places that you go when you die and it's not exactly like the heaven and hell she was taught about in her life but more or less there's a good place and a bad place and she's in the good place and she's Mm -hmm. like whoo and there's some funny bits about how every religion got it a little bit right and a little bit wrong and there's a joke about a stoner who got it surprisingly right yeah we won't like the most right of anybody was just some stone dude back in the 80s yeah we're not going to go into the all the jokes because honestly i don't want to spoil too much of the show for people who haven't seen it normally we go into every little nook and cranny with these shows but i really feel like i want i want people if they if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the good place and this sells you on it i want there to still be some yeah some jokes for you to discover some meat in there for you uh or you know tofu whatever you're into some no prawns, judge. perhaps. Some prawns. Then Michael takes Eleanor on a tour. Of the good place, or at least her little corner of it, and explains that, you know, basically, just a bunch of world building. Uh, there are a whole bunch of little neighborhoods mm-hmm. that are each kind of cultivated to suit a certain type of person. And then when you die and you go to the good place, you get to go to one of these neighborhoods. Some of them are hot weather and some are cold weather. Some yeah. are, you know... Big cities and some are quaint little towns. You know, there's a funny joke about how everyone loves frozen yogurt, which mm-hmm. is true. Frozen yogurt's amazing. And the, the the idea is sort of that these curated good places is that you get put into this place with a very thoughtfully selected group of about 300 other people. 
And among those 300 other people are people that you will most get along with that will make your time in the good place better. Yeah. It's, it's, sort, of, it's sort of an opposite of the Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, hell is other people. It's, it's the idea uh, from the play No Exit. As I push my glasses up my nose, <laughs> uh, uh, but that instead of putting you with the people who are most easily going to torture your existence for eternity, you get put with the people who are going to make it enjoyable. Yeah. Also, there is your soulmate. Yeah, there's a whole big uh, info dump. Uh, you know, people literally sit down and watch a movie, like an introduction film, "Welcome to the Good Place," where that Ted Danson's character Michael explains that. Every aspect of your life, every action you have ever done has had a rating of positive or negative gain to the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, bigger actions are ha more heavily weighted uh, than smaller ones. And there's like, we have a, you know, a, a tightly structured, you know, algorithm that, uh, you know, calculates all of these actions and gives you a final score of how good or bad you were in life. Yes. And you're starting to think, oh, okay. And then everyone who's like in the positive goes to the good place. Everyone yeah. who's in the negative goes to the bad place. Nah. Nope. Nah. He then goes on to say that only the very top cream of the crop, the very highest scored good people actually get to go to the good place. Literally everyone else goes to the bad place. Which. <laughs> Which I, that I definitely didn't expect. It's a. But that, harsh. That, harsh. It's very harsh, but that does then lead to my favorite, uh, one of my favorite bits of, of the episode, which is she, after the introductory film, she's, uh, Eleanor is talking to Michael and she's asking him, so, so who's not in the good place that I would think should be in the good yeah, place? Who would really surprise me that's yeah. down in the bad place? And he lists like, you know, some figures from history and Elvis. Yeah. He's like pretty much all musicians. <laughs> There. but uh he's all the presidents except lincoln she goes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that metrics out yeah um there's a whole big thing about you, know, you get a house that's exactly cultivated to your personality and you meet your soulmate you get to spend the rest of eternity with and all this stuff about how the good place works oh and very particularly at some point in talking about the bad place michael says to her but eleanor I want you to understand, you are special. A lawyer who got inmates off of death row, yeah. you know, you you belong here. You deserve and to be here. This conversation sort of leads into he shows her her house and it's this cute, tiny, like, Instagram perfect home. Yeah, of, like, Icelandic uh, yeah. aesthetic with the bright, yes. you know, bright colors, very minimalist. And... It's in that scene. That's where the the sort of the revelation starts to build. You, you start to you start to suspect something's not quite right around the conversation when he says, "You a lawyer?" Yeah. I, something about the way he says that, and also just her like, "Yeah." You're like, "Wait a minute." He's just reiterating things that he wouldn't actually need to say if she was actually the yes. person the stuff was designed for. And he goes, and also because you love clowns, he points at a bunch of clown paintings. She goes, I do love clowns. Anyway, she's then introduced to her soulmate, whose name is Chidi. And they are left alone to get to know each other. And she immediately goes, like, 
will you promise to never, ever do anything that would harm me? And he's like, of course, because he's a good person. And she goes, okay, because I'm not actually supposed to be here. There was some kind of mistake. They got my name right. Literally everything else is wrong. I'm not a lawyer. I never did any like human rights advocacy because there's a whole thing about you have a TV screen in your house that you can watch any memory from your whole yeah. life. And it's like, see, this is your, you know, human rights campaign in the Ukraine or whatever. It's, yeah. it's She's like, I've never even been to the Ukraine. I've never seen any of these people, you know. Yeah. And she said, you know, you've, you've got to kind of help me out here. And we learned pretty quickly that she was not a good person. She no. was, in fact, pretty bad person. Which is funny because I guess they went for that for more of a comedy thing. But the premise of but the like, universe, she could have been just an okay person. But she's she's a bad person. I found the, the writing on that really interesting that the the sort of... I mean, and it was revealed kind of over the course of the episode. But like her badness was so painfully mediocre it wasn't like she was like a like an evil supervillain type person or even like a you know she wasn't like a murderer or anything like that yeah but it was like she was the kind of person like we get one flashback to her alive where there's a uh like a person who's like do you have a minute to talk about the planet like one of those like people outside of trader joe's or whatever yeah and she goes do you have a minute to eat my farts this is creative but we also and then get. She, she throws her coffee cup on the ground next to the trash can. Yeah, I mean that is mild. We also get and don't forget the other flashback, which is more significantly aggressively bad, which is that her job was in sales. Oh yeah. She was a telemarketer who sold fake medication to elderly disabled people. Yes. That's pretty bad. But it's still, she's a telemarketer. She's not a dictator. Yeah, it's evil that lacks ambition. Yeah. She's someone who never had any ambition to be positive or negative and just kind of like, we get get the impression from everything we hear about her that she mostly just floated through life. Not a clever asshole or an asshole with ambition. Yes. Sure. Just a pretty basic asshole. There was no no Machiavellian like schemes or anything like that. She's just total asshole. However, she is convinced Chidi, basically, to sort of cover for her and help her sort of maneuver this whole situation. And then they walk around there talking about how, you know, he's like, well, maybe if we just go to Michael, explain to him there's been an error, you know, maybe it's not that bad in the bad place. I mean, it might just be fine. She's like, uh, I'm not taking that risk. And he goes, why don't we just ask Janet? And then we meet Janet, who I understand will be an important figure from what else I've heard about the show. Yeah. She's basically the Siri of the afterworld yeah she is a not a not a person uh, as we understand it she's human shaped she was not a person in life she no. was created to exist she can answer any question they have and they you know she shows up and in me these like i can answer any question you have about literally anything and the first thing eleanor wants to know is whether a guy that she tried to hit on one time was actually was gay and he was not and she goes no oh, i guess he just didn't want to sleep with me and janet goes that's correct <laughs> Another fun bit. Yeah. But Chidi goes, okay, more importantly, though, what is the bad place like? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. That's the one thing I can't tell you. However, all I can do is play you a 10-second clip of what's happening in the bad place right now. And she does, and it's, like, screaming and horrible noises. And burning and, like, explosions yeah. or something. Yeah, which is interesting. I hope we get more on that later because I don't know why you would say, like, I can't tell you anything about that except to freak you out by playing you 10 yeah. seconds of terror unless that's to keep them in line or something it's yeah it'll be interesting to see how much of what we have learned in the first episode is true yeah and how which, much of it is we'll get into more of yeah. in what the show will be but 
I did, that did seem, it felt very teasy. I want more. Yeah. Well, this was the first thing about the show that I kind of made me go, hmm, I don't care for this, which I'm really hoping that the show will develop with more of like, this isn't all as perfect as it seems. Uh, right. Which the, the, we get into more as the, as the episode goes on, but I kind of went like, are you, wait, okay. Only the cream of the crop, only the very best people get to live in a perfect utopia. Okay. I can accept that as a concept. Right. I don't know if it's, it doesn't suit my idea of the but afterworld, the but it's like, okay, fine. But the idea that everyone except the cream of the crop gets literally tortured forever, just people who are like, okay, people who were good, but not like overtly good people who say are disabled or have mental illness and it's all they can do just to get through their freaking lives yeah they don't they they don't have the time or money or energy or opportunities to go on human rights advocacy well, that, missions in war-torn countries those people get to be tortured forever damn it show that better not actually be what you're saying because i'm gonna be really pissed off if it is well that i think that's not okay that for me is why it's so interesting that the character of eleanor is like a mediocre asshole like a, a non-ambitious asshole type character yeah because it's not like we've established this really strong dichotomy where the bad place is like the most evil people and yeah. heaven is just everybody who's like okay and up it's yeah. like they're implying that heaven is the cream of the crop. Yeah. And then there's like everybody else down in the bad place. But let's finish up this recap. Yeah. And then we can talk about that. Because yeah. I do have some other feelings on okay. that. Well, then we then move on to meet their neighbors. Michael introduces Chidi and, and Eleanor to their neighbors who are uh, Tahani. Uh-huh. Who is a beautiful but super pretentious and very privileged and sort of petty person. Uh-huh. Um, did I... Sorry, I just got lost in that sentence. Did I say her name or not? Yeah, but if Is you could say Tahani? it again, just okay. for my sake, because yeah. I did not catch all the names. Tahani. Tahani. The beautiful, but also kind of petty and privileged uh, mm -hmm. uh, woman with a fake British accent. And her soulmate, who is a Buddhist monk, and I think his name is Janyu. I didn't, yeah. I forgot to look up the name, but that's about but what I I'm heard. I'm willing to go with that. They only said it once or twice. Yeah. But it, that's definitely, I'm curious to find out if they are supposed to be an example of how sometimes your soulmate isn't who you would expect, or if they are supposed to be an example of the soulmate system is broken in this, in the good place, because they don't seem very well suited no. to each other. And there's a lot of things where he seems to be like not enjoying himself. But he's also someone who never speaks. Yeah. Which is a really fun character. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if, if how they develop him in the future. In yeah. the first episode, we only see him sort of nodding and occasionally smiling slightly. And I just wanted to go back to your fake British accent comment for a moment, just for a quick moment. Sure. One of the pieces of world building is that everybody can understand each other. Ah, uh, yes. So, uh, uh, Eleanor he, says to Chidi, yeah. he's, he, he mentions he's from... I can't remember, somewhere in Africa. And yeah. she says, your English is perfect. And he goes, oh, I'm actually speaking French yes. right now. <laughs> which, which is great. Which then leads to, there's a moment where Eleanor is like, she Wait, shouldn't have an accent. Why does she have here. a British yeah. accent? She's, that means she's doing it on purpose. Yeah. It is sort of this interesting thing, again, where if you take people out of sort of the context where they're in, where you're talking about like, it's these privileged people can go on these aid missions to Africa or whatever yeah. because they have all this money. And it's like, it's easy to do wonderful, sweet, like gloriously kind things when you have millions and millions of dollars. It's yeah. a lot harder to do stuff like that when you are living day to day on, yeah. on nothing. Yeah. 
and that is kind of an interesting concept that is pointed out. It's not really addressed further in the episode, but it's pointed out by Eleanor that she's like, well, I mean, she's like this kind of fake, kind of petty, kind of catty yeah. bitch. Yeah. And yet she's here. Like, what Birch. the heck? Excuse me. Birch. Birch. We forgot. Oh, Yes. Oh, one fork! Of, this one is of one the, of my favorite forking things about this episode, this show. Yeah, one of the fun conceits they came up with is that at some point, Eleanor tries to curse, and she says, like, forking, forking, forking. And Chidi goes, oh, if you're trying to curse right now, which, interesting, it would be interesting to go, oh, how does it sound to him? Yeah. He says, you can't. Apparently people in this neighborhood don't like cursing, so it's forbidden. Which is just a fun hand wavy explanation for them not being able to curse on whatever network yeah. uh, they were doing. But Eleanor being a bad person would be cussing all the time. And they have a fun workaround. Uh, whenever they try to curse, they end up saying something like, Forking, she's a stupid birch. He's an ash hole. Oh my god! Holy shirt. Yeah. yeah. Holy shirt. Bull that's shirt. Yeah, it's a bull shirt. Well, that's bull shirt. But I love how she starts to kind of get used to it and not address it. She goes, well, bull shirt. Well done. I liked it. I did have a bit of a spoiler. I'd seen people making jokes yeah. about I, holy forking shirt balls or whatever. I loved the scene uh, where Eleanor realizes she can say butthead. And she's like, and she's oh, so happy. Butthead. She's a butthead. It would be really frustrating to physically be unable to cuss. Then Chidi and Eleanor get invited to sort of like a, a evening gala party thing at the neighbor's house. Yeah, Tahini and Johnny were having a big party to welcome people in the neighborhood. And they, they arrive at the party and then pretty shortly after the beginning of the party, Michael makes a speech. He like kind of hits his glass with yeah. his fork and he makes a speech and that's when we find out that Michael, who is the architect and, and sort of the mayor, he's in charge of this yeah, section. He, is, he specifically says he's the architect. He designed yeah. this neighborhood. And he also goes, oh, I'm not supposed to tell you guys this, but uh, this was my first project after 200 years as an apprentice. I was finally allowed to design yeah. my own neighborhood. And that's the moment where you go, aha. Which also then makes his character interesting. More interesting than just sort of being like some heavenly agent or whatever. He's like some, you know, angel type character is, obviously not god or angels because that's not yeah. a thing here but like he is a figure of that sort it he he must be some kind of supernatural figure i guess but we get more of a personal why is he so personally involved in this yeah. experience and also it gives us an idea of maybe why eleanor was accidentally let in and also i thought potentially why Michael might be invested in keeping Eleanor there, even if he finds out yes. that she was let in on accident because he doesn't want to blow his promotion or whatever. It's also, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun, like, bit of world building because they're not hanging out with God, you know, capital G or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call yeah. it. You know, the, the, they're, they're in somewhere in the middle of the bureaucratic sandwich, which I think yeah. is much more ripe for afterlife comedy than if they can just go talk all the way up to... Like, who made the rule that you can't ask questions about the bad place? Yeah. Why is that a rule? They leave the party well, when... Eleanor gets super, super, super drunk. drunk. And is, you know, stealing shrimp. And... In her bra! Shoving it in her bra. And also, they, she meets a bunch of other people. There's a little, like, montage of her talking to other people who are just... 
explaining how they are just incredibly good. Genuinely, yeah. like one guy's like, yeah, I gave both of my kidneys to some other guy. You know, That I'd only known for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they go really over the top with everyone actually being really good. And also that we get that flashback. An additional flashback, the one of, of Eleanor being oh, yeah. like, eat my farts to the yeah, yeah, yeah. to the Greenpeace guy. Uh, and she starts to get really drunk and Chidi kind of goes like, okay, let's get you out of here. You need to not, you know, you're going to blow your cover or whatever. And him being a good person is actually still trying to help her. Yeah. So he gets her back to her whimsical little house and then has a really genuine moment where she talks about like, do you think anybody noticed that I died? I bet a lot of people were really sad that you died. Probably nobody even cared that I'm gone. And she kind of has a genuine moment where she says, you know, can't remember at what point, if it was at the party or then, she says, I was a medium person. I should go to a medium place, like Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Which, sorry, people who live in Cincinnati. I'm sorry that your town is so mediocre. But I, I agree with that assessment honestly (laughs) which which you know leads to kind of this interesting dynamic that i hope is going to be explored more of this idea of we have the good place and the bad place but is there a medium place no what you know what how does this all shake out yeah is there only the bad place or is the good place maybe not even the goodest place and they're just they're they have a vested interest in making everyone think that they made it to the good place and maybe they're actually in the medium place i don't know that's the medium place i want to see the good place right so strangely he said there's more than one frozen yogurt shop in every neighborhood how could it get better than that (laughs) i don't know Sarah. i dare you to come up with something better i didn't see a dicks in that neighborhood i mean we didn't see the whole neighborhood okay there's probably a burger place somewhere but what if it's an in and out oh Oh, what was that what was that sound was that the sound of everyone in los angeles unsubscribing from our podcast (laughs) deal with it moving on the final we see scene. eleanor waking up the next morning to lightning and thunder and screaming and she's like well that can't be good pushes open the blinds of her bedroom window and it's absolute freaking chaos outside people are running around screaming there's giant animals running around everywhere lightning and thunder and wind and and it's just strange things are happening everywhere. Stampede of giraffes. And she says, why is everyone wearing blue and yellow? And she runs out and finds Chidi. And she's like, "Why?" well, oh, first we see Tahani going yeah. to Michael and going, what is going on? Is that giant ladybug? And I went, aha, if you were really British, you would have said ladybird. It was a giant ladybug. Anyway, is that supposed to be there? And Michael goes, uh, no. I actually don't know why any of this is happening or how to stop it. So we yeah. know something is very, very wrong if even Michael doesn't understand. Everybody is wearing outfits that are yeah, yellow the, and blue the clothing that they would have been otherwise but now it's made of fabric that is sort of a yellow and blue chevron pattern yeah uh because eleanor is wearing a t-shirt that says michigan law which is presumably where the person who was supposed to be in her place uh-huh. went and uh university of no not michigan state university of michigan uh-huh. university of michigan's colors are navy and, and, and gold I did not know that. I lived in Michigan for two years, and my high school had the same colors and mascot as U of M, so I learned that. So I, it's a weird thing to go that broad with, though. But everything else is also a reference. There's flying shrimp, because she yeah. stole shrimp. Ariana Grande is playing overhead, and she made a joke about Ariana Grande the night before. Yeah. There's giraffe stampeding everywhere, and she referred to Tahani as being a pretentious giraffe, because she's yeah. very tall. Chidi puts all that together and realizes, wait, you're not, you're wearing normal clothes. She, and all of this seems to be related to you. 
Yes. It's funny because she says, there's no way for you to prove that this is all me. And he goes, this, 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 and this. She goes, okay, actually, apparently there's quite a bit of evidence that it was me. But she goes, look, I, I can't, you know, I can't, we can't find, they can't find out that this was my fault or I'll get sent away for sure. You have to help me. She basically points out, he said his job in life was he was a professor of like ethics yeah. at a university. So She's I, like, this is sort of your job. Teach me to be a good person so that I can stay. And maybe if you teach me to be a good person, it'll also fix all of it. And th- this last little conversation of like, teach me to be a good person. You're a professor of ethics. Like literally the credits are rolling as they're having this conversation. Well, also, Michael is knocking on the door going, hey guys, we're having an emergency town oh, meeting. Yeah. And that's it. And then the end, the episode's over. Like, I cannot impress enough that this is, this barely counts as a pilot. It's really like the first half of a first episode. Which, it's 70% world building and 30% plot. My, my theory is that this was written as a 45 minute pilot and then reworked into a uh, half hour programming block. Yeah. And they may have even aired back to back episodes for the, um, like, you know, it's so like the, the first premiere night, like Encounter at Farpoint was in 90 minutes and like, yeah. things like that. That being said. Uh, it is time for us to move on to a few of our segments before we can just really explode. Where did the money go? Honestly, I think this one is actually tough to say because it's so consistently styled. Yeah. And it's a very heightened reality. So this is not a cheap show to produce for sure. No, It has that same kind of like oversaturated look as pushing daisies yes or uh edward scissors hands like kind of those like scissor hands scissors hands hands. each hand has multiple scissors you're not in you're not wrong but it's that sorry it's It's a heightened reality with with a not even reality really because it's in this case it's not but it's it's very stylized everything is highly stylized they clearly built most of these sets for this show. Yeah. Um, and it's just, there's a lot happening all the time. And everything seems styled down to the to the millimeter. Like, everyone's hair and clothing was really well thought out. Every piece, every prop, every bit of set the, was just... It, the production it, design on this is very high level. Yeah, it's great. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely... Well. I'd say, where did the money go? Just overall making this all very look very consistent. Indeed. Uh, there was, I mean, there was also like, you know, giant CGI ladybird. And honestly, CGI giraffes. is not a where did the money go anymore. Honestly, it's not as expensive as it used to be. You know, I'm only bringing that up because on a lot of, on some of the other shows we've talked about, like there'll be these like a couple really big effects shots that like, obviously like the whole pilot was kind of structured around having this one shot be a reveal or something like that. Like in dark angel. Yeah like the effect of her under the ice and like things like that. Whereas this is just like the whole show is at such a level that when you do actually get some sort of big special effects stuff happening, it's not a noticeable jump in the visual look of it. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other things, when you have like CGI happen or something like that, it's like the shot looks different because it's like, Oh, we just dropped a hundred K on this one shot of a car exploding or something. And this is like, they have a very consistent visual palette in the first episode, which oftentimes you don't see. Cliffs and Ships! Cliffs and Ships is where we talk about 
Uh, if we have any ships, if we think any characters should totally hook up and go to Bone Town. And also we talk about our predictions for what the first season cliffhanger would be. And just some general predictions for what this first season is going to turn into. Difficult for this one, I think, because we get so little plot yeah. in the first episode. It's a lot of world building in an entertaining way, not in a bad way. I think that we, you know, we, just, we don't get a lot. And also we only meet really five characters. They're already paired... <laughs> Yeah, which as soulmates. For me, I think I'm almost interested in I guess whatever the opposite of a ship would be. Like with uh Tahani and John Yu? John Yu. I'm like I want to see if this actually I want this to like break apart. I too am hoping that they are actually an example of how the soulmate system is broken. Although it would also be interesting admittedly if they were an example of how soulmates aren't always what you'd think. Like but some <laughs> sort of deconstruction or or, yeah. or I want that to be a more interesting narrative than oh opposites. Yeah that would be that is a bit yeah to be fair yeah haha, opposites attract is a bit boring. Yeah. Um, Especially considering that it really seems like Chidi and whoever was supposed to have Eleanor's place would have been very similar, very yeah. well suited to yeah. each other. From what we know about him and her, like it seems like they would be pretty, pretty good. Also, I want to note while we're talking about it, despite the fact that our two main couples are, uh, you know, uh, uh, heteronormative in their uh, relationship structure, in the video that they watch, the welcome film, uh-huh. there's, it is depicted lots of couples of you know different. Uh, genders and sexualities and the, the from across the spectrum of yeah well i mean you can't really tell us but from right but there's a there's a wide yeah. spectrum of humanity I represented say, in this i am told that it gets super bisexual later indeed in fact someone said uh to me i think it might have been molly said this is like the most bisexual show ever and i said i don't know have you seen lost girl and she went okay it's the most bisexual show still on television and i said fair <laughs> I also, like, in terms of sort of cliffs and ships, I guess this is more of a cliff than than ships, but I want, I just want more of the world to be explained. I yeah. want to know, like, like, we've already kind of touched on, like, good place, bad place. Is there, is there a medium place? Yeah. Or, or sort of how does this all work? Also, kind of the, the implication that Michael is a lot lower in the hierarchy of the good place than he initially seems. Yeah. I almost want to sort of get a peek into the next echelon up. Like I want like workplace drama comedy with him and his other like yeah, which neighborhood I, managers. I suspect that we're going to get something to that effect based on the, the bits that I've seen from later with Mark Evan Jackson. Yeah. So I'm excited to see more of the, the inner workings, the back scene, the back scene, the behind the scenes. I'm definitely really hoping that this show is going to be more about exploring why the good place is the way it is and what the bad place really is all about and all of that rather than just, okay, the good place, the bad place, here's the setting. Yeah. And now we have adventures within that universe. I'm really hoping it's going to be more about breaking that apart and going, hang on a minute. I'm minute and bitter in the immortal words of Eddie Azard that, <laughs> you know, and having Eleanor there, she's like the audience avatar because she yeah. doesn't belong there. Yeah. So she's the one going, well, hang on a second. Apparently, everyone else has just been going, oh, great. I am going to be rewarded with a blissful utopia for being a good person in life. Ah, thank you. Whereas if they were really good people, wouldn't they be more concerned about the fate of everyone in the bad place? 
I I could see a plotline developing where sort of like almost like an underground resistance kind of thing starts to develop with her as the inciting spark and possibly even Michael ends up getting dragged into this and, and roped in. Yeah. That's and that's what I'm where that, that next up level bureaucracy starts. But you like maybe like you get like an, an inspector type character who comes in and is like, So Michael, how's everything going here? And then you have all these like shenanigans of like trying to make everything seem fine. It's like, yeah. Oh, everyone here loves giant ladybugs. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Um, We're just going through this weird fashion fad with blue and yellow chevron clothes. Who knows what all that's going to turn into. I could see that being a developing plot line of sort of, we've thrown a spanner in the works and I want to keep exploring what that means and how that spins out. I'm less in, I'm hoping that's what happens and we're not just going to sort of resolve her presence and then just have like, you know, good place adventure. Like I'm not, that's not interesting. And I don't, I don't feel like that's where they're going. No. I'm really definitely hoping for a lot more of a, you know, let's break down this whole premise and, and try to, you know, figure out what's actually going on here. And it took someone who wasn't supposed to be here to finally question what's going on here. Before we move on, I do want to talk about one other ship-related thing. I notably do not ship Eleanor and Chidi, which I think would have been an easy thing for them to do. To go like, they're not, they were supposed to be soulmates, but they're not. But what if they actually are? What if they are, even though the system doesn't think they are? But I don't feel like they're going that way. I did not sense any chemistry between the two actors. I also, no, I didn't either. I also wanted to, and this is sort of a what will the show be kind of thing, but I feel like we have not been introduced to the entirety of our main cast yet. Yeah. Like, they we got five always, characters. Yeah, they almost this. always add... A couple more people after the pilot. At least one major person. As we noted, this was really like half of a pilot. Yes. So I'm sure there's going to be more recurring characters, if not main characters, coming up. And also I think uh, Tani and Johnny will end up being more a part of the show. I sincerely hope so. Partially just because I've heard both of those actors talked about on Twitter a lot. So I assume (laughs) it's going to be a bigger deal than just two weirdos who happen to live next door. However, I'm kind of into the fact that they really don't seem... It seems like Chidi is actually very, like, torn about this. I was supposed to be in this perfect utopia where I would find meet my soulmate and, like, everybody else got the soulmate and now I'm roped into helping this woman who may actually be a horrible person. Yeah. Well, a, a bit of the vibe that we get from him is that he lived a life of a very intense self-sacrifice. Yeah. Like, possibly to the extent that he did not... He, he was so, like, he probably, he may not have ever gotten married. He may not have had anything approaching a relationship in his living life, in his yeah. life. <laughs> uh, and he kind of has arrived in the good place and they've told him all these things about soulmate. It's like, he's, he's he like, has finally, actually. Yeah, this is my reward for yeah, exactly. all the sacrifices I made in life. And then he's saddled with <laughs> Eleanor. Yeah. Which I think. Which again is like there's it's so really many bad for him. so much so much wonderful stuff to explore and there's like really interesting avenues for drama and character conflict. Yeah, moving forward. Yeah, well, and and I honestly thought to myself, I went like, oh, I feel bad for Chidi because he was supposed to get a soulmate, and he didn't. Well, I guess I feel worse for the person who was supposed to be in Eleanor's place because she actually lived in a extreme a life of of self sacrifice and and good works, and she's in the bad place. 
Then again, I actually feel much worse for the people who are in the bad place, even though they lived perfectly normal lives, didn't do anything grand, but did also weren't as big of assholes as right. as Eleanor was. So I hope that those thoughts are something that the show is actually going to be exploring. Yes. What will this show be? This is going to be a little bit different than our what will this show be is often where in this segment we like to talk about sort of what we think the day-to-day of the show will be, yeah. where the show is going. What's the the episode-to-episode slug of the show going to feel like? But sort of, and as we've sort of touched on it already in some of the earlier segments and during the, re- the recap as well, like it seems like they're setting up kind of a, a slightly different overarching narrative. And I think we both have a lot of places that we hope that will go. Yeah. And we're... I, I guess for me personally, I'm not really that interested in this being a shenanigans in the afterlife kind yeah. of show. Like, I want something slightly bigger to be going on yeah. here. And I definitely don't want it to just be, Eleanor keeps having to hide the fact that she's not supposed to be there. Like, that would be a one-note, very, I yeah. think, tedious vibe. Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm, I have confidence. Well, I guess not confidence. I have high hopes and some reason to believe that this is going to go more places than that. I don't think this is going to be very... What's the word I'm looking for? When a show has a real structure to each episode, like a procedural, where we have a thing to deal with, a monster of the week, or a procedural where there's a crime to solve every week. I suspect this is not going to be very much like that. I, At least from the... Especially given that the first episode very much feels just like half of an episode, which may be because it was originally written as a 45-minute pilot or it might be because they really are going to do a very serialized thing yes. with the show where it's always ending with its foot halfway in the next episode some, yes. some real doctor who shit <laughs> well old doctor who yeah they don't do that so much on the new show but the old show is always like well i'm glad we resolved that oh no another monster the doctor will return next weekend another monster <laughs> Doctor Who and another monster. <laughs> Doctor Who and the, whatever shit the BBC had lying around t- glued to a dude's face. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Here, hold this plunger. Why? Shh. For kids. We, we sort of talked about, you know, the thing we want to see sort of these w- wider, broader bits of mythology and things like that. Yeah. And... I think the the most interesting question that I'm really hoping gets explored that I, that I want answered is this system of good place v bad place and the possibility of sort of other metrics or other places is this are these the only two places that people go mm-hmm. or is there like you know are there competing good places is is the the bureaucracy of the afterlife you know like what caused the clerical error? Yeah. Because the the world that is being implied, what we get in the first 10 minutes is that things are incredibly simple. Yeah. And then the the back half of the episode is like... Everything goes wrong. Yeah. I was feeling very like, I don't know what this is, where this is going. Right until the moment that Michael said, this is my first project. I went, okay. So this is going to introduce, uh, hopefully... Yeah, all those things that I was hoping it would go into. More of the, like, why did this all go wrong? And why does... How does this thing whole... The whole thing work anyway? And all that. Yeah. Because for the first half, you're kind of thinking, like, Eleanor has to fake her way through heaven. Yeah. You know? And I... 
that's what made that that one line of him going, well, I'm not supposed to say this, but oh, what the heck? Yeah. It was my first thing after 200 years. Like, okay, this is how we're going to, because otherwise it would have been very hard to keep the show going and being interesting and keep Michael as a regular character, which he definitely appears to be based on everything yes. I've heard. Um, very much involved in the day-to-day. He's, I assume, I guess I'm kind of assuming he's going to find out the truth about Eleanor. But he is going to yes. be, he's going to want to keep her secret as well because of his personal investment in his project. So, An- Another d- detail that I, I found really interesting in sort of all of this was, I, I'm an, I'm, I, uh, you know, nerd that I am. I love Easter eggs and I love on-screen text in films and I will, I will go back and pause it if I have to to read it all. Uh-huh. And what was really fascinating d- during the, the the introductory film, they showed people and they showed all their good and bad things with like pluses and minuses, like talking about that score metric that they yeah. calculate. And there's some. I I tried to read a few of them. Yeah. They're very funny. One of the positive ones was like staying loyal to the Cleveland Browns or something yeah. like that. I really do. I thought to myself, oh, I'm gonna go back later and rewatch this scene and. I didn't have time the night I watched it, but I do want to go back and, and read some of those. One of them was uh, assembling a tricycle for a child. Then there was like a lot of net positive. Yeah. But then it was assembling a tricycle for a child who hates tricycles. And it was like a very low amount of positive. <laughs> but it was I didn't like, notice that like, a, like a lot of the things, you know, like. One of them did say ending slavery. It was very, yeah, it was, it was very a really big high thing. score. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, you know, like cutting someone off in traffic and it was a negative. And yeah. like all these, but what was really interesting about the positives and negatives were that a lot of the things that were given high amounts of weight were not ending slavery or murder. Yeah. It was like they were very small, innocuous things, but they were small, innocuous things that we do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, not using your signal when you change lanes in traffic is like a low-level asshole move. But if you do that, you know, it compounds. Which to me, I thought, is a really interesting place to be going into it. And I mentioned back, way back in the What We Know, yeah, that that inciting incident for the writer of the show, that it was this tiny little thing where he gave, where he, he was tipped, waiting. Yeah. He tipped a barista. But he wanted someone to notice. Yeah. He wanted someone to be. And they do address that. They go, you know those little things that you do, but it, although he addresses it, Michael, in a negative way, and you think nobody saw that, we did. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because that is set up in his the conversation that Michael has with Eleanor, and then it's again it's reinforced in the introductory film. But then everybody that she meets in the good place are these huge, sweeping change, world influencing good people. Yeah, which is confusing. Yeah. I was, during that bit, I was actually going, oh, okay, interesting. This is going to be something where you don't have to have been a world-changingly good person. You just have to have been good consistently enough, even if it was in small ways. But apparently not. It really seems like everyone there, although we have given no, we're given no reason why Tahani's there. Yeah, but also. Nothing about her actually seems good, except that she's beautiful, which is not. I I have a personal. theory hope idea that we're going to one of the ways that the show could get a slightly more episodic flavor is if somehow eleanor and co end up going on excursions to other neighborhoods Mm. Mm -hmm. so you know they because you know he says some neighborhoods are hot some neighborhoods are cold you know maybe they go to like a beachside resort neighborhood or another week they go to like a ski resort neighborhood 
um, and the things that could could come from that. Because what is strongly implied in the pilot is that different people would find different things to be heaven. Yeah. And uh, I think I've mentioned it before on the show, but like I grew up in a very religious family. And as a child, I was always very confused when people talked about how heaven would be this perfect place of perfect happiness. Yeah. But then you would hear adults talk about like, oh, yeah, heaven will, you know, there'll just be this beautiful golf course. And I'm like, I hate golf. Wow. Uncle, I'm Uncle sorry. Joe, I hate Someone golf. Someone described heaven as a beautiful golf course to you as a child? No, as having a beautiful golf course. Oh, God. Not <laughs> heaven. Like, heaven is a golf course. Who said that to you? But, like, heaven will have a golf yeah. course. Or heaven will have a movie theater. Or whatever. Like, yeah. And it's sort of well, these ideas of, of different people wanting different things yeah. out of this. Well, and people always talk about that. People joke that, like, heaven is just a, you know... Sitting by a cozy fire with a good book or something like that. Or yeah. like, oh, heaven is just lazing on the beach all day and listening to the waves. Every, yeah, it is a known fact of our true universe that everyone has a different idea of what perfect ongoing happiness, yeah. what heaven would be like. But I, I like the idea that instead of in, in the good place, instead of each person having that, uh-huh. they're still around other people. You still live in a neighborhood with other yeah. people who have also died. You still... End up living your life with your soulmate, who is another person who's died. Also, I want them to go into more about what happens if your perfect soulmate, if what happens if you die when you're like ten years old, and your perfect soulmate doesn't die until they're like sixty. Yeah, are there are there neighborhoods full of children? Yeah. Like what is like? I want to go because like honestly, pretty much everyone in that first scene looks like they're between twenty five and forty. Yeah. Pretty small. Is it, Chunk. yeah, is it possibly that, you know, you're, you're age matched with your soulmate? Like, you know, you both like were in your prime at it's 20 your soulmate, your perfect soulmate within the realm of other people who are around your age who died around the same time as you. We yeah. don't, we don't know whether cheating. We're starting to get a pretty small Yeah, that's actually a pretty small people. sample. Yeah. yeah. See, I thought when he first says your soulmate's here too, I was like, oh, your soulmate is going to be like a created person. Yeah. But no, it's someone else who also died. But it's like, we don't know whether Chidi also died recently. He doesn't say if he's yeah. also new. He's less new than Eleanor. Eleanor just arrived that day. He knows about Janet already. Like, how long did he have to wait? When he first arrived and they he watched that movie and said, that's right, your perfect soulmate is here too. And then he went, where's my soulmate? They went, oh, she hasn't died yet. You got to wait a couple of months or weeks or years. Yeah. You know, what What was that like? I hope they go into more into that system because I'm very interested in the concept of soulmates. I want to know how this universe thinks that whole thing works. Before we move on to our final verdict, I really want to talk about one specific thing. Go for it. Which is that right in the beginning, Eleanor asks Michael when, when he says, well, you're dead. You were in the afterlife. She goes, so who is right? Like, which religion got the whole thing right? And he goes, um... And he starts listing off basically all religions. He goes, pretty much all religions got about 5% correct. And then he goes into the funny bit about this random stoner suddenly getting it like 92% correct. Here's my problem with that. Despite the particulars, despite the specifics, this actually to me, and you may correct me here as someone who was raised Christian, this actually looks remarkably like the idea of Christian heaven and hell to me. A select few people who in this rubric are people who did enough good things so that were weighted by this algorithm. And then the Christian idea is people who, whichever flavor of Christianity you look at, but generally it's people who accept Jesus into their heart or whatever. Select few people get to go to this world of perfect happiness. Everyone else is tormented in hell. 
That actually sounds quite a lot. That sounds like more than 5% for Christianity, as opposed to Judaism, which doesn't even believe in hell. There's only one afterlife. So that seems like we actually got less than 5% right. Or maybe that counts as 5%, but Christianity definitely got more than 5 So I was like, ex- uh, another have, Ein Minuten bitter, because yeah. I'm like, mm, I have, mm, I have no. a theory on this. Oh, please do tell. Patton Oswalt, the delightful stand-up comedian, has a bit where he compares religion to telling people that there is a sky cake. And when you die, you'll go up in the sky and you'll get to eat sky cake. And then he envisages a world where another religion was created where people talk about sky pie. And the sky pie and the sky cake people have a war because I can't enjoy my sky cake if there's sky pie. I can only enjoy my sky cake if no one else has sky dessert as well. And I'm curious if that 5% like, yes, the particular afterlife that we're being shown in this initial good place is rather similar to the sort of broad strokes Christian heaven hell dichotomy thing where you're there and you're in the good place and you're told there's a bad place somewhere else. And because for that particular worldview, you can only enjoy the good place if you know that there is also a bad place. That you are special yes. for being selected for the good place. It's. I hope that's the case. It's rather telling that when they ask what is, uh, the information... Janet. When they ask Janet what's going on about the bad place, Janet goes, I can play you audio of what is happening in the bad place right now. But there's no context given for it. Yeah. You just hear a bunch of people scream. Maybe they're all riding a roller coaster and they're actually having a great time. But it's like part, sure. part of the psychology of this particular neighborhood of the good place feeling good about it is knowing that they didn't go to the bad place whereas there may be a version of it of the afterlife of the good place where people are like yeah you know you all just hang out and you know some people go to this other hang like i'm i'm really curious about that because there are certain religions and certain views that some people here on earth have about the afterlife where i can only know that i'm winning that i've won that i've succeeded in this metric when i have somehow done really really good and like attained this level of perfection and goodness Mm -hmm. and like even the introductory film it's not some random angel or character welcoming them to heaven it is michael Michael, the architect he is the only person who is not dead that we have met who's not a formerly living person on earth him and janet who we're led to believe is even less of a person than michael is in the sense of having been a person on earth and having their own personality janet does not appear to have a personality or opinions she definitely appears as a uh a con more of a construct a construct she's a digital assistant given form although and we are using uh she her pronouns with janet because uh presented very feminine uh, attire and structure. But I have heard from other people that they maybe address in the future that Janet uh, does not have a concept of gender, which is cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know if that sort of ramble makes any sense, but it it seems to me the, the more I think about this pilot, the more I feel like we have only seen a tiny sliver of what is going on in this hierarchical afterlife bureaucracy 
yeah. system. Like there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And I, I think that one of the key sources of drama and interesting plot lines and things for the show is going to be the way the show explores out into those directions. Yeah. Because just having an asshole in a perfect neighborhood, like, there's no reason for that to be the afterlife. Oh, honestly, just the concept of an asshole ends up in heaven and has to disguise the fact that they're an asshole so they can stay in heaven, that could be a horrible premise for a show. Or that could result in a horrible show. Yeah. I mean, cast Charlie Sheen as the asshole, and that is a garbage show nobody wants to watch. Exactly. That only being your initial premise and the actual show being more about breaking down the whole concept... I think if that ends up being what the show is, fingers crossed, I think it would be really, really cool. And I'm looking forward to it. Which is a perfect segue to... Final Verdict. This is the segment where we decide if this show did the job of a pilot and whether or not we are going to keep watching. This is the rubric that we've sort of set up for the past. But with this, it really, it very much felt like half of a show. And yes, I do want more. But I feel like that's mostly because I feel like I only got half the episode. I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would watch that and go, oh, I don't need any more of that because I didn't actually enjoy the humor or the acting or whatever, or the style or the premise. Yeah. So there's that too. But I feel like a lot of the wanting to see more of this is, well, I yeah, I need to know what happens. I don't know why, though, that even though this ends on a cliffhanger almost mid-sentence it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that i really don't like the sort of that i would call it the netflix pilot i don't know why this feels different than that for me i think because netflix pilots will just introduce you to like eight things that are completely unrelated and 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 don't connect to each other those be characters having conversations that never meet anything like that and i think one of the things that makes this feel different is that it's so tight yeah. You know, we are, we are only getting part of a story, but it's a very tightly focused story. There's only five characters. Yeah. Six characters sort of with Janet. Yeah. So there's... But it's really about these two main characters. It's really about Eleanor and Chidi and whether he's going to help her and yes. whether they are going to be able to move forward. And I think that tightness and the implications about the wider universe are what make me want to keep watching it. So unlike The Killing, where it was just sort of like... A bunch of stuff happened, and a girl is missing, and oh, she was killed, and who will be the killer? Like, yeah, it just good I, point. It, it, that was an example of one where they just spent the whole pilot spinning out a bunch of stuff, and then nothing actually really gets resolved. Yeah, but this was just like it, it's not that nothing got resolved; it's that they're just they're still in the middle of the story. It's like, but it, it but because it was only twenty two minutes, and so much of it is world building. That's what really makes it feel not just like, oh, they didn't resolve anything. It really feels like, well, I'm, I feel like we're halfway through the episode. I feel like if they had done an hour or a 45-minute pilot, yeah. we would have gotten the same amount of stuff in that first 22 minutes. And then the second 22 minutes would have been about, you know, more of uh, the actual plot of Eleanor trying to hide the fact yes. of who she is and blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I'm kind of sticking on this point of, on paper, this is all the things that I hate about the current era of television, where you don't have a resolved story by the end of your pilot. You don't, you know, you don't sort of establish things. We really only meet three characters, yes. actually, I would say. We we barely meet Janet. We barely meet Tahani. And Janyu doesn't say a word. So really, it's just Eleanor, Chidi, kind of Michael. Yeah. 
They're the only ones we get anything personal about. And Michael, I wouldn't have counted except for the one line about this being his first project. Yes. I wouldn't have counted. I would have said two. There's really only three characters. And and that they're all we've really got. Yes. That all being said, my final verdict on this is that I flat out loved this. This is probably of all the pilots we've watched, this has been the one that has been absolutely the most sheer joy to view and spend time thinking yeah. about and talking with you about. Yeah. And you are 100% going to watch more. That is the, 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 the major factor of the, of the final verdict. Very, very hard not to watch the second episode immediately. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I ended up watching it very, very late at night when I was freaking exhausted. So I wouldn't have anyway, but if I had watched that episode at some other time during this year, because people have been recommending it to me for over a year. Um, I finally went, okay, I definitely need to watch this show last February, last March. Yeah, February. And life has been a lot for the last year. Went on tour, released an album. So much has happened. But if I had just sat down any time in the last almost year and went, yeah, I'll give this Good Place show a try. I absolutely would have watched at least two, if not three or four episodes, just bam, 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 right in a row. So... Then I would have decided whether I was actually going to continue. But it would have been a very easy, yeah, I'll watch a second episode because it's so short. Yes. And it had enough in that short episode to be intriguing. I would not say I flat out loved it, as you said, because I still have so many questions. Because there's just enough things in the episode that made me go, if that element doesn't go the way I'm hoping it'll go, if it goes the other direction, I would freaking hate it. Like, yeah. with the... If, if it is, if it, I really don't think they're going this way with it. But if it was, oh no, it's this, it turns out that's actually true. That everyone who's even a little bit not amazingly good goes to eternal torment. If they actually were like, no, 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 that's just a fact of this universe and it's okay. And that's not a problem that the characters are going to somehow change or fix. I would be like, ah, fuck you actually. Yeah. Fuck you a lot, kind of. Yeah. Fuck you a great deal. It might not have helped that I watched this episode in the middle of a depressive swing. And so I was like, oh, so people are fucking have depression and anxiety and it's enough just to get through their fucking day and not be a complete and utter bastard to everyone around them because they feel like garbage. Those people still go to the bad place because they didn't have the time or energy or health to go out there and save the ding dang world. Fork you very much. <laughs> but that's I'm just saying that's why I can't just say oh I flat out love the show I'm super sold amazing even as much as I was with a show like Lost Girl where oh there were plenty of problems we talked about all of them in our episode we did however by the end of the episode I was like oh I'm completely think I know where this show is going and I'm sold and I want more of it even yes. though some of the writing is a little hinky in general everything great I was super on board but this show I'm like okay everything seems great as long as it goes where I think it's going to go and explores the ideas I hope it's going to explore. But yeah, I this is the only thing that holds me back from being like, I freaking loved it. Because in general, the, the writing and the style of the show, I do feel like was sort of community-esque, which we mentioned in the What We Know. Mm -hmm. Just the, the style of the humor and the sort of, it's living in its own reality with its own rules kind of feel yes. that community developed in the yes. later seasons. I feel like it does have that kind of sense of humor and that kind of style about it. And I like that a lot because it, honestly, that actually 
kind of goes for Pushing Daisies as well. Although I think the humor is more similar to Community. Mm -hmm. But Pushing Daisies also had that very heightened reality, but also not really just heightened, its own reality. Its own world with its own rules. Yes. And I like that. And I feel like I haven't had a lot of shows recently that really truly lived in their own world with their own rules. With where every aspect of the show fit into that specific universe, you know? Indeed. Agreed. I think we are on the same page. Sarah, we are in accord. <laughs> Let us wrap up this episode. Now that we are finished with our discussion, I don't know why I thought we need to become very, very mid-Atlantic all of a this sudden. This has been a, a very productive chat. Oh, this has been absolutely wonderful. Delightful. I'm simply, I'm just simply pooped. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website at pilothousepodcast.com or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported through Patreon. Thanks this week to our brand new supporters, Jerome, Josh, and Chris. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. I'm absolutely (laughs) shocked that we have arrived at the status of pooped, and we shall call it a day. What is it? Stop. What is happening? You're worse than Tahani over here with your fake accent. Yeah. <laughs> also, she was just right out mean. Yeah. She was mean. She's like, I love your tiny little house. It looks like a precious little doll should live there. Or a cute little dog. It's like, this this girl's just a bitch. Yeah. Very excited to find out what Tahani's deal is because she, so far, she's just a bitch. All right. She's me a birch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did this show drop the do of a pilot? <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm really tired. Okay, let's move on. Moving on. On that note. Not moving on, actually. We're just straight up done. On that note. Bye! bye. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't don't know what possessed me.